Reignite on RTE Radio 1 with AIB. It takes a certain kind of brave to run a business. We see it, we back it. Now, we wanted to get a sense of the characteristics that spring to mind when people imagine a good leader. So we sent Michael Lawless to pose the question to holidaymakers enjoying the seafront in beautiful Bundoran this week. What makes a great leader for me is a person who would do something himself before he'd ask somebody else to do it for him. Uh, it has to be Paul O'Connell, I suppose. The way he led the Irish rugby team went on and the captain of the Lions. He's an imperious figure on the pitch and more so in the dressing room. I think he was able to get the best out of, out of the team he looked after, you know. Just his fearsomeness, his his passion. You know, he, he led with his heart as much as he did with his brain. Again, very knowledgeable player, knew the rules inside out and was able to direct the team in, in, in such a way that they could, they could impose themselves, you know. Do you think there's a difference between a good and a bad leader? Absolutely. You know, um, they say between a boss and a leader, there is a, dif- a difference, you know. A boss will sit there and, and, and direct where a leader will go out and pull the strings themselves and, and help along. With, with the team that he has working for them? Muhammad Ali. Like, if I had to pick someone, impossible is nothing and all that sort of stuff. Didn't give a shit and was uh, quite outward with it. Just the unbridled confidence, I have to say. I think one of the best things he ever said, they said, you know, how many reps do you do in the gym? And he said, I don't know, I only start counting when it starts to hurt. And have you worked for a good or a bad leader and how has that been? Oh, micromanagey sort of ones uh, are the worst. They just don't trust the people below them and uh, true leaders just push you to do a little bit better right and everyone's better will be at a different spot and so I think true leaders what's well, one of the sayings they're not the conductor they're the person who lays the tracks I'm a bit of a fan of my big brother to be honest he, he runs this surf school here he, he set it up in his early 20s you know yeah. was even coach of the Irish team there a few years ago when they went to Japan and he's always a bit of an inspiration you know setting up his own business here and, and it taking off and I'm doing well and, I suppose you better tell us who he is and what's his company. His, his name's Owen Murphy. He runs Murph Surf School here in, in Bundoran. I'd say my mom. I've been growing up with her as, as a single mom and raising four wild sons. Uh, I really look up to her and uh, never gave up on us and stuck by us no matter what we were going through, no matter what struggle. She's an amazing lady, so I would go with my mom. Marcus Reichert, Pleasure Manchester United. Uh, He's going out of his way to provide millions of pounds to feed um, hungry children across the UK. Just lean by example. He's someone who's making a fortune, but instead of just putting it to personal use, he's putting it to the wider gain. He's, he's providing it out to the people who rely on the, the meals and stuff to get by. I think Nicola Sturgeon as well, especially as a woman in politics. What I admire in other women in leadership roles is when they give other women a helping hand and don't sort of shut the door behind them. You know, sort of pave the way but keep the way open. The people of Bundoran in County Donegal speaking to Reignite's Michael Lawless. Now, I want to ask you, our Reigniters, the same question. What makes a good leader and who, for you, epitomises good leadership? You can text the show on 51551, email reignite at rte.ie or tweet at reignite rte. And over on RTE Radio 1's Instagram stories, some of you have already been answering a poll mentioning people like Jacinda Arden, Vogue Williams, Anne O'Leary, Anna Geary. But you've also talked about family members who lead and Roshan Kerrigan had an example of her sister and she says my sister inspires me with her constant strength and resilience she is the person I turn to in bad times now 
Our next guest boasts an incredible record when it comes to the world of GAA. In his time as manager of the Dublin senior football team, he won 18 out of a possible 21 trophies and set a record of playing 35 consecutive championship and league games without defeat. His sense of purpose and service comes originally from 20 years with the Irish Defence Forces and today as the assistant director in the Irish Aviation Authority he is continuing to study different approaches to leadership, psychology and peak performance. Jim Gavin, welcome to Reignite. Oh, yes. I'm delighted to be here on a, on a, on a, uh, a gloomy, <laughs> rainy morning in Dublin. Interesting, and a match day. Interesting uh, conditions for this evening. Uh, yeah. And we will come to that. <laughs> Listening to the Vox Pop there, Jim, why do you think for people that sports stars, whether they're amateurs or professionals, often come to mind straight away when it comes to leadership? Yeah, it's... Um, it, it's, it is interesting. It's probably because of the public platform that, that sports people have. Um, people like to aspire uh, to, to be like them, like Paula Connell that was referenced there. And also sports stars are asked to reviews. I found it really interesting, Anya, that um, if, you, if you wrote out some of the comments there and you threw them on the table this morning, we'd see um, that leaders help people, they have confidence, um, they do uh, they do something else before they're, they're, they're asked, they lead by example and from a leadership perspective, if you want to know my values, you know, look at what I do every day. And that's what really they're articulating there. What I found interesting, and we might touch on it later on, is that, you know, uh, what what poor leadership looks like. It's the, that micromanagement, that lack of trust and not pushing people. And, and, and I'm sure we'll, we'll come to that. So it probably is a narrow lens, I'd say, Anya, when, when we just look at leaders, because leaders can be found everywhere, in every parish, in every community. I'd be with leaders in my local club this, this afternoon with, with the under-13 hurlers, you know, parents leading out the teams, creating an environment where the, where the, where the boys and girls can be their best. Um, but we have leaders in every town, every 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 every, every office. We mentioned, um, was mentioned there that the, the surf school in, in Bindor and the Mercer school on Murphy and, and his leadership. So it's, it's if, if we if we open our lens, we, 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 can, we can see it. Because leadership is all about giving hope. And in all of that, often leaders, as you say, it's about values and embodying them and, and living them, demonstrating them. And I know for you, when you think about values, you talk about culture, environment. Um, who instilled your values in you, given your level of public service? Yeah, well, well, I need to narrow my lens now because, <laughs> you know, how, how we behaved as a family, you know, that influence was, was and, and that was created by my mum and my dad. That, that, as you say, that how we behaved was the was the culture, and culture comes from from, from a, a Latin term which is, means to care for, um, the the environment my mum and dad had and the and the values that, that they had. So my mum came from a, a very rural part of Ireland, from from Moy and Clare. Her her um, she won't mind me saying they were both born born in the forties, and as we know, that generation is a is a tough tough generation. Her her mum was the uh, principal at a local primary school in Moy. They created an environment for their kids coming out of the the, the civil war to to to, to and, and the war of independence to to go for education. My mum and her sister became teachers. My mum got a job in Dublin, and, and when I was growing up in the seventies, you know, we had childcare. So my mum was way ahead of her time, mm-hmm. creating an environment where she wanted to excel in her career, but she also wanted to care for her kids. And as I grew up. Um, as young boys do, and I see it, my young, my, my young, young fella, he, he just wants to play, play with his friends and play, play games. Um, I think study is the last thing, certainly when I grew up, <laughs> on my mind. But I had an aspiration to be a pilot, um, quite a lofty one. I, I, I probably looking back at it, but she didn't give up hope. I mean, she, she, she cultivated um, an environment where I could aspire to, 
to do that and be it commercially or military otherwise now I was lived very close to Casement Airdrome on Baldonnell and uh, one day I came back from a football game and there was a little picture of a, a pilot in a, in a TWA uniform with a white cap um, and that was her sense of that was my purpose to study so she was my first leader and so was my dad working you know going to go, going, getting up in the morning my dad was gone to work coming home in the evening time he still wasn't back and when he came back there was either blood or or oil or sweat on, on his brow and his hands we had hard work and ethic and, and thankfully that passed on to all of us so that's my first um, in, introduction to leadership and I'd fortunate enough to to to, to be awarded a cadetship in, in 1990 um, and I joined the 67 cadet class and for that time in the cadet school I wore a flash on my on my right shoulder with on roads to Rome a poem written by Pori Pierce the road ahead and it was about um, and on the crest there was a, it's a it's an orange crest um, there's a sunburst there's a, the sword vertical sword of the commissioned officer and it's about uh, the paradox I suppose in some ways of, of military leadership is about serving those that you lead so that sense of of that purpose um, uh, drove me and, and I've, I've, I've often talked about it um, uh, but what I suppose I can dis- what, what I can disclose is that's really what um, was the gateway for me to everything. It it, it, it drove me to, 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 to learn about leadership. Um, it kept so, me awake at night with the Dublin football team, wondering <laughs> what I could do to serve those guys as best I could. Yeah. So it comes from your parents, as you say, your mom, your first leader. We know you went into the Irish Defence Forces. You were a player for, for Dublin GA. And I've, I've often heard you talk about the collective, which is obviously something you learn in the Irish Defence Forces and teamwork and having each other's backs. And yet I've also heard you talk about having to, kind of realise that you have to meet everybody in their space. You have to personalise your approach, be they a player or a colleague in work. How do you get that balance between creating that sense of the collective and yet recognising there is no master key? You have to meet everybody on their own basis. Yeah, um, it's, a good, it's a good question. Um, I suppose when I, when I take it all back, and we, we, when we when we look at, at self determination theory, which which um, is, is the most I suppose validated motivational theory that's there, and I would have used that to to set a framework for the players. I understood the the extrinsic motivation that 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 we have, and and you know GA players don't do it for for a financial reward; they do it for an intrinsic motivation to be uh, to, to serve a higher purpose. And within that collective, then. Um, and and it's it's something we might touch upon later on is 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 the that leadership paradox it, it particularly in the in the pandemic environment where people work remotely um but to get the best from your players you need to you to, to to gain control you need to actually give it away and that sense of a, of, of from a, a motivation perspective where the, the the players and your team in your business own uh, own, own their work they they own their context uh, and that's really important in, in in a team dynamic where yes as the leader um, it's your job to, 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 to direct the attention, uh, but it's your job to, to look for the greatness in people and, and to draw it out for them. It's your job to, to as a leader to, um, to manage the potential of the group. It's your job as a leader to cultivate the environment where you know, people can achieve the best that they're capable of coming up. To do that, you need to give them the, the, their, their space. And, and I went to Moyle Park College in Clondalk and Amaris College and a fantastic experience I had there. But when I look at the old janitor back in the 80s, he had a bunch of keys he didn't, have, he didn't have one master key, a key for every door. And leadership is a contact sport. It's a people business. And each each individual player, when I managed up in football team, they're all individuals. 99%, 99.9% of our DNA is the same. 
But that 0.1% makes us unique and you need to tap into that uniqueness because, in, again, with, with, with team dynamics, it's, it's not that you want, and I don't think either James Horn or Desi Farrell will want 15 robots on the field today. They'll want individual play, players that will play to the game plan, but they're... There's, uh, I suppose, controlled freedom for the players to express themselves. And, and that's the same in, the, in, in business and in life. It's creating that vision for, as a leader, what your, and finding your purpose is key, but then to, set, to, to, to give players autonomy um, and also to challenge them. Because I, I think when it was, it was mentioned there in, in, the, um, in the Vox Pop about, um, about pushing yourself, um, and I think we don't work well when we're in our comfort zone. We, want, we don't work well to our potential. We work well when we're challenged. And in, mo- in motivational theory, there's a lot of research about, you know, when people are, are, are challenged, that's when they, one, they produce their best performance and secondly, they, they, they have their best experiences. So in all of that, you're giving them autonomy, giving them a sense of control within the collective but you were always trying to create that sense of social connection, particularly with the Dublin players. And you brought them, you know, back to northern France, to, to some of the sites connected to the Battle of the Somme. You brought them to Lambay Island. You brought them to these different places that they could kind of find themselves as part of history. But it was more that sense of connection and bonding. Tell me a little bit about the trip there, the, the, the scene of the Christmas truce and what it was like being there as manager of this Dublin football team. Yeah, so, th- yeah, um, well, uh, that, that sense of socialisation amongst the, the team groups, I haven't seen any high-performing team where there's not that, that kinship, that, um, that esprit de corps, that spirit is there. And that's the challenge, I think, in this remote working space is that we've lost, we are social animals as humans, we've lost the, possibly lost that connection or we potentially can lose that connection. I think there's only so much connection we can do to a t- through a th- TV screen or on the phone. Um, so that sense of socialisation came was was certainly um, imbued in me uh, with, with in, the, in the military, and I and I and I saw it when I served in in the Central African Republic or in Chad with troops abroad, um, and uh, in in an environment where they yes they served the country, but they looked after themselves when they're on the on, essentially on the on the, on the battlefield, and that that where did that where did that camaraderie come from? It came from that collective that socialisation. So for me. I, I, I suppose sacrificed some some of my weekends, which I could be on the park uh, in, in in Parliament Park training the football team. I understood the power of that bond of that connection of players getting to know each other, um, and at, 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 a, at a at a deeper level than just I represent Round Towers football team in Kildare or you represent uh, Parnells in, in Coolock. It's about about getting under the bonnet uh, and and knowing knowing about your your life, your your aspirations, your desires, your failings. And um, and getting to know each other on a deeper level, and I found the benefits of that was when some of the games that the Dublin players had to dig out in the trenches, and they'll have to dig one out again today, I believe, against Mayo. But um, they could tap into that because there was that solidarity of of looking after my looking after my brother essentially, or my sister in the case of ladies football. And when you're standing there on the site, the battle of the Somme, like were you able to kind of tell them about Christmas truce, like place themselves in history? Yeah. Yeah, so so we went there to 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 and uh, I, I'm I said as I said before I was proud to serve in Ogle Heron um, uh, uh, and the, to serve the the, the the state the Republic of Ireland, um, but uh, it wasn't there it wasn't there to to go to commemorate a war. We we're there to go to see um, uh, a, a battlefield where people sacrifice for something bigger than themselves. Um, 
Um, yeah, um, so when we went to that that, that particular uh, uh, place on, on Ypres, we, we, we saw um, the two trenches 100 metres apart where the German troops and the... Uh, the the, the 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 British troops um, uh, kicked the football uh, around um, uh, during a, during a break in in, in in hostilities and there was one or two footballs there obviously a lot of I think a lot of soccer clubs would have went there and would have placed um, uh, uh, probably commemoration uh, uh, trophies and footballs and I think one of the footballs was borrowed for about twenty minutes as the guys <laughs> by, the, by the dogs kick, you kick, had a bit of a kick about in a, in a beautiful day in May yeah so but socialisation is a huge part of of, of, t- of of team dynamic and it's it's something that leaders do need to consider as we return to normal and can to I ask you workplace. I know you're a big believer in preparation attention to detail that nine tenths of performance is the preparation but when you look at the likes of Tyrone this week you know curveball we're living in these COVID times and that's just chaos so how do you you know plan to work and work to a plan and yet deal with chaos as let's say a throne is this week or as everybody is this past 18 months yeah um, we live in a, in a in a volatile a complex a chaotic a sometimes ambiguous wor- world and um, from a Dublin football perspective we, we trained in that chaos I learned that from the military um, battlefield inoculation. I learned it from my time in uh, as a commercial pilot in aviation, where you know we train in the simulator for not the routine, for for the routine flight and the not the, the abnormal flight where you have an engine failure, where you have an hydraulics failure, where um, uh, there's there, there's fog in the, at the runway. So you you prepare for every every eventuality. Um, so preparation is it, no doubt is key, and it's 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 you know in 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 the in 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 business in in sport. You know, you do you fall to the level of your training, not not to not the expectations that the Dublin supporters or Mayo supporters will have for the team. You'll fall to the level of the of your training. So it's about pre- it's about preparing for that for that chaos. And there's also a, a resilience piece as well, Anya. And um, when I go back to my mom when when I did my leaving search, I was guided to study classical studies, and it wasn't because um, at the time I enjoyed the classics. It was because I was. It was a good a good subject to get a good grade in, and um, thankfully I did. But I got a great grade not only for uh, Greek and Roman architecture and, 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 and literature um, and the Iliad and 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 and, uh, and, and Homer the Odyssey, but I also came across Stoicism and Marcus Aurelius and uh, Epidotus and, and Seneca, and that that sense of um, of it's not things that upset us; it's our judgment of things. So if things go wrong, like they are for Tyrone. It's how do we how how do we perceive that? And there's an understanding, I suppose, in Stoic philosophy that, and it's not about suppressing emotions. That's far from it. It's about suppressing useless emotions. So how could how could we control the things that within our within our control? So, um, and people who have high levels of resilience understand that life is is chaotic. That it is it is unpredictable and sometimes full of loss and suffering. But the 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 leaders that have high levels of resilience and teams have that ability to. Um, to respond to what they see and to, to, to focus in on things that put them back on the driving seat. So let's watch today's game when there is chaos of the game and what team is making the decisions to put themselves back in the driving seat in business when things go wrong. What companies and firms and people because it's the people who ultimately who deliver, deliver results on you. It's not the players, it's not the shareholders or it is the players, it's not the shareholders or the, the firm, the bosses of, of companies. It's people and it's the teams. So what what teams or what players are making those decisions have that autonomy, have that responsibility to make decisions on the battlefield 
away from their bosses to put themselves back in the driving seat. And then being able to respond is the sign of a good leader knowing when to walk away. Like, what were the things you had to kind of really weigh up yeah. when you decided to step away? Well, well, let's let's let I'll, I'll deal with that in two parts because it's 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 I, I it's it's when you, when you talk about 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 stepping away. There is a leadership paradox, and, and again, I, 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 I would have studied Eastern philosophy, Sun Tzu and Latsu. They, they, they talk about, you know, leaders lead from behind, you know, to lead, you lead from, from behind, as in to gain control, you give it away. It's, it's about empowering your, 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 your um, uh, empowering your, your, your teams and empowering them from, to be able to work remotely. And they, they'll only do that if they trust, if you trust them, and more importantly, if they can trust you and that, if there's that feeling of trust. So when we talk about uh, leading, it's about empowering people. It's about let, giving them their context and giving them the autonomy to do the job. So in any football team, any football team, the manager or any firm that is, if it's set up, if it's a high-performing team, the leader should be able to step away. And one of the ladies spoke about micromanagement. Uh, at, at, the, at the very start of this Fox Pop, they should be able to step away, and the team will lead themselves. Lunsu, uh, Sun Tzu said that you know leaders are best served when their aims fulfilled, their mission achieved, and they will say, "We did it ourselves." So, from my perspective with the Dublin football team, I had a responsibility to Dublin GEA, um, and I had a responsibility to safeguard that growth. And my decision was taken. Um, uh, with with that best intent to safeguard the growth. Can I ask you just briefly and finally, you talked about resilience. Do you think Mayo fans will be digging deep on resilience tonight or celebrating? I think they've got a very good reason to be optimistic that the, um, the team has, has been very impressive in the last um, half of against Galway. If they played the way, and they're sure they know it themselves, if they give the ball back to Dublin as much as it did to Galway in the first half of that game, um, Dublin won't give them the ball back as easily. Um but there, there is, there is a lot of resilience in that Dublin football team, and um, the player, it is a player-driven, uh, player-led environment, um, and it's Dublin's to win. A couple of text messages through my career in management. I've done many leadership courses and read many books. It is interesting to see how they have changed. Twenty years ago, they were all about things like time management tricks and habits of good management. But now, I think the best ones about are about your leadership values. Tricks and habits change; values don't. The best leaders have the best core values like respect, empathy, and resilience. Thank you for that from one of our text messages. And another one: great leaders don't micromanage; rather, they trust and empower, and don't look to take the credit all the time. Jim Gavin, thank you so much for your wisdom and insights. We look forward to throw in at six o'clock uh, later on today.